First reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 17 to 29, and can be found on page 1013 in the Pew Bibles. The healing of a boy with an evil spirit. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought, my, uh, brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has, has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running it to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the word of the Lord. And can be found on page 1135 in your Bibles. That's Romans 8, verses 28 to 39. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What, then, shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. I'm sure we are used to advertisements that don't uh, tell the truth. Um, we have many commercials in Japan advertising gadgets and things, uh, very cheap and very good. Uh, when you get them, they break you know, after three days or they don't work as they should. We're used to that. And maybe when people hear the offer of the gospel, they're suspicious about it. They think that just we're, we're just having them on for our own advantage. Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 1, the, one of the key verses at the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he says, for I am eager to preach the gospel. Sorry, that's verse 15. In verse 16, he gives the reason. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul had something the gospel which he was not ashamed of. And that's why he was eager to preach. He had a great product, if I may use that word, that he was offering to his hearers. He was not ashamed of the gospel. That's a Greek way of saying, I'm very, very proud. I'm very, very proud of the gospel. It's actually an English way of saying it too, isn't it? That's how we speak. Um, not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. God puts all his power behind the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. In other words, the gospel works. The gospel saves. There's nobody who, believe, who has ever believed the gospel who has not been saved. There is nobody who's thrown themselves on Jesus Christ for salvation, and it didn't work. Okay. So we're so used and we're kind of cynical about offers, as we should be, but this is an offer from God, and he puts all his power behind the gospel. He emphasizes that to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Those are all the kinds of people in the world. No matter how you section up, the human race, vertically or horizontally or whatever, um, or by their histories or what they've done or whatever, no matter how you divide up the human race, whoever believes will be saved. And that is why Paul was eager to preach the gospel. So we, me and um, Reverend Mike Duff and people, are not like salesmen needing to be ashamed of the product we offer, 
we're just trying to, you know, stick around a bit long enough until we can retire or build up our own little, you know, reputation or something. We're not like that, okay? We have a gospel that we're proud of, and so do you as laymen and women. When you go out and tell people the gospel, it's a, it's a wonderful thing because it works. It works. <clears throat> and um, the rest of Romans from chapter 1, verse 16 onwards, uh, especially to chapter 8, Paul is, is explaining how it works. And uh, he's explaining all the benefits that we have in Christ. We have forgiveness of sins. We have a righteousness that we didn't earn. We're justified. We have eternal life given to us through our representative and our mediator. We have a new life. Um, anybody who believes in Jesus Christ walks in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with him or her day by day and uh, um, correcting them and guiding them, enlightening them. Uh, even, isn't this wonderful, putting, our, putting prayers in our hearts. You know? the, the Holy Spirit inspires the prayers that we pray. Um, and finally, when we come to die, uh, we don't die. We transfer directly to heaven, and one day our bodies will join us, and we will have the redemption of our bodies, and we'll be changed into the very image of God's own Son. You could not make the gospel better. You could not improve it. And that's why he says, what more shall we say to these things? You cannot make the gospel better. Um, and in verse 32, chapter 8, verse 32, um, he, he says these wonderful words. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him or along with him graciously give us all things? So the idea there is that God has done the great thing, the big thing. He's given his son. And give his son means not just to send him, but to give him up, give him up to death, give him up to the worst humiliation possible, give him up to the most painful uh, death possible, and the greatest suffering of all, which was to bear the sins of the world. He gave up his own son for us all. How shall he not with him? How is it possible? How is it conceivable that God, having done the big thing, will not do all the small things that are needed to get his people into heaven. Okay, that's how Paul is arguing. He's uh, he who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God has done the great big thing. Of course, he will do the lesser things that are also necessary. But there's more to it than that because he says, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things we need for our salvation are included in the package, included in Jesus. <clears throat> this is my wallet, and uh, every time I leave the house, I must have this, you know? Uh, the reason is it's got my bank card, my driving license, uh, my Tesco card, my Nectar card, my beauty card, which is very necessary, and other things like that. And so when I, um, when I leave the house, I don't think, oh, where's my driving license? Ah, oh, where's my bank card? All I have to do, unlike most men, I guess, is pat my back pocket and away we go, because I know, know it's in there. 
And in the same way in Christianity, everything, everything you need is included in Christ. If you have him, you have everything that can possibly uh, be needed for your salvation. You have forgiveness of sins. You have a new life. You have um, all the help that is necessary to get you to heaven, um, which is absolutely wonderful. It also means that if you do not have Christ, if you have all the advantages, all the merit, all the education, or, um, all the good history of things you've done, all the religion, and you don't have Christ, or maybe you have all the suffering. Some people put merit into their suffering and think, oh, I've suffered so much, I'm obviously going to heaven. If you have all that, but you don't have Christ, then you do not get to heaven. You do not have the power of God for salvation. But if you have, if you have Christ, then you will have everything that you need for your salvation. And when it says, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All, all the blessings, all the answered prayer, all the times that we've been able to repent from a sin, all the times we've uh, prayed for ourselves or prayed for other people, every, um, every bit of grace, if I may use such a weird expression, every, everything that comes from God is a bought blessing. It comes because it was paid for by Jesus on the cross. It's a blood-bought bless blessing. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, what was one of his final words? It was a shout of victory. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. Uh, what was done? The whole price. The whole price was paid for our salvation. Everything. And that's very important to say because sometimes people come into a church like this and they, you know, they're impressed by the stained glass windows and the big building and uh, all the holy people in here and they think wow you know how am I ever going to measure up so that I'm good enough so God will uh, you know I'll be able to contact God see um, the whole point is that everything comes to us in Christ and nothing comes outside of Christ okay um, Jesus Christ procured for us a perfect salvation and that is why we invite people to come to Christ. That's, what, that's why we offer Christ freely. There's a great hymn I really like. Uh, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. That's a great verse. Okay, so what, is it, what, is, uh, what does it say in uh, Romans 1.6 again? It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The essential thing we have to do is to believe in Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus Christ is our part. And if you look in the Bible a bit more, you see it's repentance and belief. It's repentant faith and um, uh, believing repentance. That's what saves us. Okay? We must believe. And that's why um, when... We had that uh, a reading in the Gospels of the father who was coming to Jesus on account of his demon-possessed son. And uh, uh, Jesus says, and, and he says to Jesus, um, you know, if you can, heal him, please. And Jesus says, if you can, where's your faith? 
And he, he responds, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, he knows he has the duty, because Jesus told him he has the duty to believe. He must believe. But he also knows he can't believe enough. So he says, I believe. I commit myself to believing. A hundred percent of my, every fiber of my being, I give to you. I believe in you. But it's not enough. So help my unbelief. That's great. Because God does help our unbelief. And he gives us repentance. And he gives us faith. That verse I like, uh, that hymn I like so much goes on. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. So Jesus is a all-round, 100% sufficient savior. You have to believe. You have to repent. People out there have to believe. They have to repent. And they can't do it by themselves. But God gives grace in order to do it. He go, that verse, that hymn goes on. Uh, Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you wait until you're better, you'll never come at all. Why do you wait till you're better? You're not going to get better. Come now. Okay. Because everything is provided for you. So, my dear friends, we need to feed on this. We need to drink this down. We need to believe it with all our hearts that we have our wonderful Savior who gives us everything we need. And you know what will happen? Um, apart from our own joy and our own peace and our own assurance of salvation, we'll be eager to preach the gospel, which is what your theme is, isn't it? You'll be eager to preach the gospel. So first of all, convince yourself of these truths, and then um, you'll be eager to preach the gospel. And that's certainly part of missionary motivation because Paul says I am eager to preach the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe <clears throat> so just three little points as we close let's tell the gospel to those who we might think are no hopers uh, let's tell the gospel to people like the Japanese let's tell, tell the gospel to people we perhaps know who are, um, who have a bad history, who are atheists, who um, maybe are terribly self-righteous, or maybe who are addicts in some way. Can God save them? Of course he can save them. He saved you. Of course he can save. So let's, t uh, let's be, um, let's tell the gospel boldly. You know the illustration of the wallet? I um, taught a bunch of uh, Japanese old ladies that about two months ago. You know, it's great. It's the gospel, you can tell people. Um, secondly, um, when we do good social work, we help people who are sick, or we... Uh, do you still have Friday fridge when you go out helping people who, are, you know, drink too much? Or, is, that, is that what it's... Yeah, yeah. You know, be careful. Here you are, you're doing good things to them, and they think, wow, what wonderful people they are. Well, I'm not a wonderful person, which means I could never be a Christian. If that's the impression they go away with, you've taught them an anti-gospel. That's why we always have to tell them that we're doing this for Jesus' sake, that we are helping people because Christ has helped us, that we only do it by the power of the Spirit. Uh, let's, and with us in doing tsunami uh, relief work in Japan, it was exactly the same. Always hold Jesus up and uh, put ourselves down. <clears throat> And thirdly, you know, um, last time I came, I preached on boldness, 
that the apostles prayed for boldness. Boldness is something Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you. So why don't you ask for it? I'm timid and you're timid. And if you're English, you're especially timid. Just like the Japanese, they're especially timid. Um, but God can make even us bold because uh, Jesus died to give us a complete and full salvation. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow down before you. We thank you that in your Son we have everything uh, provided free um, uh, for our salvation. And thank you for um, the wonderful fellowship of the church and brothers and sisters walking on the same road, uh, drinking the same grace, uh, praying the same prayers, and evangelizing the same people. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.